Welcome to the Sipsters Wine Podcast with Luke Whittall. Hello, Sipsters. Welcome to the Sipsters Wine Podcast. My name is Luke Whittall. You can contact me at sipsterswinepodcast at gmail.com or you can go to the website at sipsterswinepodcast.ca where there are all kinds of books available, books that I've written. I tend to write books and I've got a new one coming out in April. Uh, And then there might actually be another one in the fall about something completely different that I may have let slip on a recent podcast with Callie Bailey. I hope you checked that out. Uh, That was a fun podcast to do. And I want to do more of those. So we uh, we will see how that goes. A uh, few things we're going to do uh, a little bit um, about wine tours. Going to talk a little bit about wine touring. I'm going to talk about a very special bottle that I've saved. I've got a whole collection of empty bottles that I are are special wines that I've uh, made kept uh, for various reasons, and I'm going to talk about one of them today. And then I'll talk a little bit about what a sipster is because it may not be obvious but uh, i've written about it and uh, i've got a little something to uh, to demonstrate what a sipster is or at least to explore that a little bit so let's get on with it so you want to go on a wine tour what is a wine tour this means different things to different people i have learned I've heard people use that phrase in a lot of different ways, and it seems there's a lot of confusion when two people are talking about what wine touring actually is. Essentially, going on a wine tour means that you are going to be traveling around to multiple wineries in a day, or maybe over two days, or longer if you're lucky. You can be driven there by a wine tour company. You can be driven there by your friend, you can drive yourself there, which is not really recommended, particularly if you want to try lots of wines. Wine touring has changed since the pandemic. It is a little different now than it used to be. The days of visiting eight wineries in a day with free tastings are pretty much over. Please get used to that. Plan your time in wine country accordingly. And most of all, Don't berate wine shop staff over a winery's policies. The only exception really uh, to the tastings are in special places like the District Wine Village in Oliver, where there are lots of wineries grouped together with a single parking lot, and you can visit each one fairly easily and conveniently. And uh, and depending on the time of year, you may not need a, a, a reservation or anything like that. So there are situations where you can be a little bit more impulsive, but for the most part, there's, uh, the reservations are the way to go. So here's a few tips for going on a wine tour. If you've never been on a wine tour before, these are things to keep in mind. If you have been on a wine tour before, maybe these will help, uh, you know, make your next tour a little bit more interesting. Know what to wear. It's really important to dress for comfort. You might look amazing in those heels or those boots, 
What are you going to be comfortable walking into and out of each winery that you visit? Some wineries, especially smaller ones, don't even have paved parking lots. Those are the really interesting ones, actually, normally anyways. Um, There is always a chance that you'll be taken on an unplanned excursion to the cellar or a walk in the vineyard, and in either place, uh, heels or any shoes that you're not comfortable getting dirty will only distract you from the experience. You will enjoy the experiences a lot more if you are comfortable. Know what not to wear. Perfume, hairsprays, colognes, anything with Axe or Calvin Klein on the label. Walk into a wine shop wearing any heavy scents and you will get noticed and for all of the wrong reasons. You would stand out less wearing a pink sombrero and flippers. People wouldn't even bat an eyelash over that. But if you're smelling like those perfumes and colognes, you're going to stand out. So think about it. You're walking into a tasting room where everyone is focusing on the things that they smell. If you walk into a room when you were loaded up on some fragrance, uh, it's like shining a bright flashlight into people's eyes as they try to watch a movie. They are going to notice it and it will never be for a good reason. Everyone in the room will quickly trace the source of the fragrance to you. Your synthetic cologne or perfume might smell fine to you, and actually you might not even be able to smell it after a little while. But it could really affect how everyone perceives the wines that they are trying to taste. Also, when you leave, you will absolutely 100% be made fun of. That is guaranteed. I have seen that happen so many times. If you're okay with that, then, you know, that's cool. Keep your wine safe. Wine will be adversely affected by heat and light. If you leave the wines that you've been buying in the back seat in a bag or open box, and it's summertime in the Okanagan, your wine will very quickly be toast. Uh, this is especially true in the Okanagan and Similkameen Valleys in the summer, but really it can happen anywhere. Consider bringing a cooler uh, and lots of blankets to insulate the wine boxes. The coolest part of a vehicle is usually on the floor of the back seat, and a heavy blanket can protect the wine from direct sunlight uh, the best while it's there. Do not use the trunk or the box of a pickup truck, uh, both of which are outside of the air conditioning zones. So consider bringing your wine into each winery as you go. It's not very convenient, but if you're planning to purchase only a few bottles, it's totally acceptable. If you're buying cases, though, you might want to consider having them shipped home directly from the winery instead. All wineries really are uh, are able to do this. Drink water. Wine country is dry. That goes for Vancouver Island as well at certain times of the year. So stay hydrated. If you perceive the wines, like you will perceive the wines uh, that you taste much better if you sip water in the car between wineries and it will also just make you feel better if you feel better you will sense the wines better love your driver please 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 have a designated driver i've followed a lot of swervy cars and other vehicles on the way home from work and it's not a good feeling some people still don't get the importance of this but it is essential for everyone's safety If you have no volunteers to be the designated driver, consider my DD rule, which I hope is a little incentive for someone to volunteer to be the DD. My DD rule is this. The group must purchase a bottle of wine from each winery visited that day 
for the DD. It's a great way to include the DD in the tour and they get to enjoy the wines later and feel part of the tour. Plan your trip. Explore. If you've been there before, try going somewhere else. If a winery looks appealing to you, then go for it. Just follow your nose. Exploring is what wine touring is all about. You may find the most amazing wines you've ever tasted at the next winery. Um, This is harder to do now with reservations, but if you do the exploring in advance online or through books, which we'll talk about, then there's, uh, you know, try going to a new place that you haven't been. If you are visiting wineries on your own and it's off season, call ahead. Do not trust what you read on Google. That information is updated by the wineries and not all wineries are super fantastic at keeping that information up to date. If it's on season, check their website and make a reservation if they offer it. The biggest reason to make the reservation is to avoid standing around waiting for a table or a tasting to be free. It helps the winery plan their day and ultimately you get a better experience and a more comfortable experience. If you still think that it is 2015 and standing up at a bar with 25 other people in a tiny wine shop is your idea of a good time, then go for it. Uh, You can chance it. Um, Some wineries still do that. Just know that you may have to wait so there's no point yelling at staff or getting huffy about not getting to taste anything. If everyone else has reserved a spot, they get priority. You can also use a resource, uh, as I mentioned, like the Okanagan Wine Tour Guide by John Schreiner and myself, yours truly, or another resource, a new one, uh, the Uncork BC Wine Passport. I've got an upcoming episode with Kayla Bordignon, the creator of the BC Wine Passport, and I encourage you to check out this amazing wine touring tool. I thought that I would share with you something a little special. I've saved bottles of wine that were very special to me for some reason, and I wanted to share a little bit about what those wines were, where they came from, and why I bother to keep these old bottles around, because some of them have really interesting stories. The wine for this podcast is a bottle of 2002 Paul Barra Champagne from Bouzy. It was purchased at Marquis Wine Cellars in Vancouver in 2011, by my friend Amber Pratt, who is now the winemaker at Moraine in Naramata. But at the time, she was a cellar hand at Road 13, where I was also helping on the bottling line. And she's been on my old podcast, Wine Country PC, probably more than anybody. I had given her the money to purchase it because I wanted to celebrate something. My student loan was going to be completely paid off, and I wanted to take out the same amount of money that I'd been paying each month on my loan and purchase a single bottle of wine to celebrate the end of that loan. Amber told me that she was going to Vancouver, and I gave her the money to purchase a special bottle of champagne. She totally delivered and found this amazing bottle. If it doesn't look like a regular bottle of champagne, you are correct. It is what we call a grower's champagne, meaning that they are first and foremost grape growers who have then decided to make at least some of their harvest into wine. I enjoyed it later that spring and probably took notes, although I can't find them now. I keep the bottle because it reminds me of that time when my student loan was finally put to rest. And that was something that I thought was really worth 
celebrating. seems like a good time to take a little break so take a deep breath and just ponder things for a little while I find that in the wine industry the winter is a really good time to reset the perspective a little bit if it's a slow time of year for you then it can feel a bit depressing because maybe you can't maintain that fast pace that you might like or you find yourself going a bit crazy because you're between jobs or seasons for jobs. That's pretty common in the Okanagan right now since most of the wine and hospitality type jobs are done. Some wineries are closed up until the spring. Some restaurants do that too. Miradoro, Miradoro rather, Terrafina, the restaurants at Hester Creek and Tinhorn Creek are closed really until Valentine's Day. So basically they've just reopened. Sparkling Hill Resort even shuts down uh, for a little bit each winter um, while they do renovations and things like that. If you're brave enough and can afford to travel, then good for you. Take that time. Some of us, like myself, have jobs that don't really have a season anymore. I still work in the wine industry, but doing wine marketing like I do, I don't really have a season. There's no you know, busy season or slow season. It's always sales season online, and there are always things to plan. So for this podcast, I'd like to take a little time to reflect on what it means to be a Sipster. I've written about this in the first volume of my book, The Sipster's Pocket Guide to 50 Must-Try BC Wines. And when volume two comes out this spring, it's coming out in April... Uh, I expand on it a little bit more, but for those of you who have been listening to this podcast regularly, I thought it might be a good time to discuss it a little bit. I envision the word sipster as being a more congenial word for someone who is interested in wine. That's pretty much it. That level of interest can vary widely from, a, you know, a complete neophyte to a WSET diploma holder. But the interest remains. I think that the word sipster is a more positive descriptor. It feels like a less condescending term than wine nerd or cork dork. Literally, of course, it's a merger of sip with hipster, but the definition that I proposed in the opening of the book can remain true. And that is one who observes, seeks, and sets taste trends of sipping beverages doesn't have to even signify wine. You could be a tea or a coffee sipster. The biggest difference is that sipsters have the confidence to do it themselves. They don't need fancy marketing or wildly random tasting notes and scores to tell them what kind of wine they like. They might be completely infatuated with Beaujolais and Nouveau at a time when no wine reviewers would even consider writing an article about it. A sipster might order a glass of rosé at a steakhouse because they found one that they hadn't tasted before, even though it might not pair correctly with the food that they ordered. Sipsters follow their palates. Though they surely listen to suggestions from experts and friends, they certainly don't rely on either to confirm their enjoyment. In this age of social media and influencers that 
subtly manage to make your own life feel somehow inadequate by showing you how effortless things could be if you experienced what they were experiencing in their post or story or reel. Sipsters can stick to their own guns without feeling the need to go with the crowd. Sipsters don't suffer from FOMO, the fear of missing out, but they also don't belittle those that do. Everyone has their own life to live and their own things to experience. That is the main reason why I wanted to start this podcast, really, to show that there are many ways to experience wine or whatever it is that you choose to sip. I'm assuming it's wine since this is a wine pod, wine podcast, but you know, you do you. And to show that experiencing wine doesn't have to be uh, exactly like we are taught to believe. We don't have to sit around talking about it, uh, talking about the various flavors of red berries and hints of wet minerals and streaks of violets on the back end. If you get violets on your back end, then that's fantastic. We can enjoy a wine because of the person that you are sharing it with, or because the weather that day, or simply because you had a good day. I like to have wine to celebrate things, no matter how small they are. But you might have a wine for different reasons, and, and that's great. Whatever the wine and whatever the occasion, I hope that you enjoy that experience to the fullest. I hope that this gives you a little insight into what it means to be a sipster. I dive into this a little deeper in my book, The Sipster's Pocket Guide to 50 Must Try BC Wines, Volume 1, which is out now. And Volume 2 will be released officially April 18th of this year. So look for it in uh, your local bookstore. Uh, some of the wineries will probably carry it, or you can purchase it online at all of the normal retailers. And I also have it on my website at sipsterswinepodcast.ca. And if you order it from me, I will sign it for you and even personalize it for you at no extra charge. If you like these podcasts, please take the time to rate it on Apple Podcasts or give it a like on your player. You can find Sipsters Volume 1 at various wineries or online at Mosaic Books, a great bookstore in downtown Kelowna, or Monroe's Books in Victoria, among other great bookstores. Of course, it's also at Chapters Indigo and the other online retails, retailers, too. Visit me at my website at sipsterswinepodcast.ca or send me an email at sipsterswinepodcast at gmail.com. Happy sipping, everyone. Enjoy your wine. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Sipsters Wine Podcast. Go to Sipsters online at sipsterswinepodcast.ca.